Hello and welcome back to episode 5 of Lessons Uncovered. And this is your host, Ojang Bate. On today's episode, we're going to talk about something that we all experience in one shape or form. I know you have experienced it in your lifetime and I have in many occasions. What am I talking about? I'm talking about imposter syndrome. Do you ever feel like a fraud and you feel like maybe um, you're going to get found out? I do sometimes and it beats my imagination why and um, the more I reflect and the more I learn about this feeling and accepting it, I have become comfortable in identifying when my imposter syndrome kicks in and how to handle it. Funny enough, even people like Maya Angelou experienced imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou said, and I quote, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. That I've run a game on everyone, and they're going to find me out. What is imposter syndrome? (laughs) It's that feeling on uneasy or uncomfortable or just uh, feeling like you're not qualified enough or you're undeserving undeserving of something that you have or you have accomplished so why do we all feel like imposters when we shouldn't or when um when you do feel this way uh do you typically recognize what's happening and how you're feeling and identify that oh that's imposter syndrome happening I don't know about you, but I didn't always realize that um, I was going through the experience of imposter syndrome until I started intentionally reflecting on how I felt about situations. And um, in this episode, I'll share with you the many different times in my life when imposter syndrome had really crippled me and how I overcame this feeling and what were my success tips. So... Relax, grab a book, pen and paper or pencil, um, and take some pills. So let's go back to my days in undergrad. So for those who know me, I went to Delaware Technical Community College for undergrad studies. And um, from there, I also did a little bit of research at Delaware State University in Dover, Delaware. And um after which I moved to Charleston, West Virginia for pharmacy school. And after that, I moved to, (laughs) I moved to um, one of my home office in Bentonville, Arkansas, post-grad, and now I live in Texas. So a lot, a lot of traveling, a lot of journeying, a lot of different experiences and life situations. So I would start from my Delaware Tech days in um, community college. So I said, immigrant and um just freshly i came to the u.s in october and on january i started school in january and um my first interaction uh at college was um intentionally getting myself integrated in the community and in the culture so i said to myself i'm like i'm i'm gonna have to be honest and open and push myself um to be more outspoken and to not always be in my corner. So I joined what was called then the peer associate program. So what is peer associate? So you were one of the students that welcomed the new students during orientation, 
and showed them around the libraries and just took them for a tour and told them how to like manage their time. Mind you, I, I wasn't a good time manager at that time myself, but here I was in this position to educate the incoming students. So I remember my first conversation, um, my advisor then, had, we had an orientation. He didn't tell us ahead of time that we were presenting in front of the crowd of students orienting. There were about a thousand students in the hall that day. And Mr. Uh, Rose stood in front of the stage and said, Oh, John Bate, would you mind giving the audience three tips on how to manage their time? And I was standing in the back of the room and feeling really afraid and embarrassed at the same time because i didn't know what to say and he's like yeah you should come up up here and get the mic and <laughs> so walking up to the stage i was felt every emotion fright excitement nervousness everything I was like how am i even the right person why can't you get the peer associates that have been here for two years i'm just trying to learn how to interact and here he is embarrassing me so I felt like I wasn't qualified to do that and I did it anyway so I went on stage and talked about the five the three to five tips he asked me to and for some reason the tips just flowed naturally so then um, <laughs> at the end of that experience during my tour with the students some students asked me about uh, the tips I had suggested and how I used them and how effective they were and this conversation just continued then I realized that oh it seems like I have a little bit of knowledge to share in the area of time management and it seems like the students actually took some valuable lessons from my experience. So I'm glad I didn't turn down the opportunity of just um, talking to the incoming um, uh, college students and I'm glad that uh, my advisor then Jeff had embarrassed me even though it wasn't funny at the time. <laughs> Um, I recognize now that I felt like an imposter and I felt unqualified and I felt defeated and I felt like, oh my God, they're going to find out I have nothing to offer and no, I don't know anything I'm talking about. So <laughs> I just want you listening to know that feeling like an imposter is normal. It's okay, but you just need to make sure it doesn't linger for too long. Fast forward, um, I was lucky to work at administration at a community college in one of my uh, co-workers brought a, a poster about a research that was happening at the University of Dell State. And it was sickle cell research. I'm passionate about sickle cell research and studies and they were aware of that. So they brought that because it was on the Delaware News. So, and I was encouraged to like reach out to the research team. You might um, land an internship. And I looked at my coworker and like, you're joking, right? Because uh, I'm still taking my prerequisites. I'm not um, a developed researcher yet. How am I supposed to join a team of researchers that in their master's and PhD program? There's no chance. And <laughs> I'm really happy that um, Richard planted a seed. My friend Richard, he planted that seed. He's like, you know, reach out. What will be the worst that will happen? It's a no. So I uh, gained the confidence to go in the library and email the PI of that research. And I just emailed him, introduced myself, told him I was a um, first year student in college, passionate about research. I volunteer in the biochem club. I just put myself out there and um, it was a few days to spring break. So 
I got an email response within an hour saying, hey, um, you mentioned you're going in spring break. How about you stop by um, during your spring break so we can talk? So I was so excited because I didn't even think at the time of sending the email that I would even get a chance to become a researcher at that lab. So what had happened was um, I, I... I went to spring break. I went to meet the PI, PI, um, the principal investigator for the research. We spoke. He explained the project to me. And for those who know me, I am like, I live on bridge genetics. I love my gene editing and I love research. So when he was explaining the project and what it was, he asked me, it's like, what's your availability? I said, um, I really just want to volunteer and be a part of this project. I'm available all summer. And I'll work with you, your schedule how you want it, because this is my last summer here in um, community college. I'm going to pharmacy school. So then he looked at me. He's like, you're really good in research. Why don't you change careers and be a researcher? I'm like, "Mm, I'm just here for summer. I just want to do this research this summer. Then he said, well, Ojong, go read this pamphlet. Come back in a week and let's talk more. So, of course, I read the pamphlet in a day or two. I dissected it really deep. And I went back a week later and um, <laughs> I and the principal investigator, the research coordinator, sat down and talked about the project where I could come in. And in the process of talking, he asked me to explain the project in my understanding. <laughs> I, <laughs> this is that moment when... Um, I didn't realize I was really selling myself, but I was unknowingly, so I was passionate, and I'm still passionate about genetics and gene editing, so I went all out, explained to him how I understood it, I explained to him the things I can do, the PCRs I can carry on, um, and what I can be of help with, and how I can fit in in the team. He looked at me and turned around in his office in his uh, rolling chair and said to me, wow, um, I'm keeping you here. (laughs) and i'm like what do you mean so again this is the second time where the imposter syndrome crept in because when he said i'm keeping you here i didn't understand what he meant he said well you have a paid grant um you work for me all summer and this will not be a volunteer opportunity because you have a lot to offer during this project you understand that i sat in the office i was like oh i'm like are you sure about this because um I don't know if I know that much because you're probably you're putting a lot of pressure on me right now. And he <laughs> he said to me, um, the PI, his name was Eric, his Eric, and he said to me, uh, Ojong, you're gonna work for me under this project and you resume on Monday. I'll see you at 8 a.m. And he he walked out of the office. So I sat there a little confused, uh, a little overwhelmed, and at the same time excited. And um, mind you, this is an hour from home, so I had to drive back. On my drive back, I just um, reflected on what had happened. I was like, well, I just wanted to be part of the project because it was going to be fun and I would learn a lot more about sickle cell disease. But this just landed me a paid opportunity, like really good, well-paid internship. Wow. And then another thought came in and say, oh, don't get too comfortable. Don't get excited. You might really make it full of yourself. And <laughs> again, this is another episode of being an imposter that uh, 
creeped in real quickly so i had to silence that thought process and say to myself well um we'll see how it goes and um i had to tell myself i'm gonna try my best i'm gonna do what i can and i'll see what happens so long story short the research took my the four four months of my time published a paper and presented it at the Delaware Biotechnology Institute. It was just a phenomenal research project altogether that changed my life in many different ways. So here's to say, you feel doubt, you feel like you have no idea what, what you're doing, but there are things in your life and experiences that have prepared you to the opportunities that come before you so take a chance take a chance why because you are talented you are capable you belong and you are enough all right let's carry forward <laughs> to the next time i felt like a complete imposter fast forward first year in pharmacy school first semester was orientation um then we had the orientation exam. Mind you, this exam had nothing, nothing to do with the clinical practice of pharmacy. I mean, nothing at all. So <laughs> I didn't do too great. I think I had like an 80 and our, our school, I think in 92 was an A. So I was very disappointed with myself. So I had to call my dad I'm like, um, I don't think I'm gonna make it. I, if I can't make it through just orientation with a good grade, this is gonna be a rough, rough uh, journey for me. Maybe I'm making the wrong decision. I might have to change my career path. So my dad said, well, you're gonna have to finish what you started. Just stick it through, stick in there and um, keep going. Okay, Ojong, you're not coming back home. You're not changing. You need to keep going. You hear me? <laughs> and um so why am i telling you this yes an 80 for me felt like a fail and i just needed that little reassurance but here's the thing about imposter syndromes if you don't communicate it you are under the impression that everybody else is feeling genuinely okay they're capable no you're wrong your next door neighbor your co-worker sitting across from you that person on the Zoom call on the other computer, the person on the elevator going to that next meeting with you feels the same imposter syndrome that you feel. You just can't tell. You can't relate because everybody keeps it deep inside and hides it. That brings me to another phenomenon called pluralistic ignorance. So, pluralistic ignorance hinders us from exploring and overcoming imposter syndrome what is pluralistic ignorance It's a situation in which majority of the group members privately reject a norm but they go along with it because they assume incorrectly that everyone else accepts that norm have you <laughs> sat in a room in a meeting and your uh, supervisor or your co-worker is presenting something and you're like hmm that's mm, I don't agree but you just like bite your tongue and uh, hold, just keep your, your ideas to yourself sometimes we do that to save face to prevent embarrassment but sometimes we're just doing that because we're overpowered by the unnecessary imposter syndrome so identify that syndrome calm it down and overcome how do you do that 
share with someone you trust, share with your mentor, and speak about it freely, honestly, and just put yourself out there. Again, why? Because you are talented, you are capable, and you belong where you are at the point of time that you are in it. So, let's wrap up my imposter syndrome experiences. <laughs> when I initially started my career, I remember the first time I checked a prescription for a patient. I still remember that prescription. It was Soma. It's a muscle relaxant. And it, it was um, my first time that I was personally in charge to sign it. It was under my name. There was no supervision. Um, training was over. It was like, I'm licensed pharmacist now. This is my responsibility. I stood in front of the computer and looked at that prescription about six times. Why? Because in my mind, I still needed another person to look over my work and look over my shoulder to make sure I was doing it correctly. Then I had to like talk to myself like, you got this. You just did the first one and this will not be the last. So keep going. So when you feel like imposter syndrome is taking over your life, take a break pause have a conversation with self or someone you truly trust like a mentor or a sister or a friend or just speak to yourself and make sure you identify and stop imposter syndrome from crippling you let me explain to you that imposter syndrome has nothing to do with your mental health Imposter syndrome is by no means related to incompetence. Imposter syndrome does not have any connection with depression. And imposter syndrome is normal and it can be calmed with positive reassurance, positive feedback, and open communication. All right. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I would like to wrap up this episode with, um, by telling you that um, a 2013 Deloitte study found that 61% of people struggle to be themselves. They do struggle to be themselves because a lot of us think conformity is important for advancement in life. No, it's not. Confirming and following the norm and not standing out and um, speaking out doesn't make you better. It doesn't push you forward. It doesn't promote or advance your career. So I call in everyone listening to me. Um, I just want to encourage you to be yourself. Identify that imposter syndrome before it cripples you. And you can only be yourself because everybody else is taken. <laughs> I hope this was what your time and I hope you gathered a few pearls. Again, it was Ojong Bate, your friend, sister, and pharmacist. 